Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Matthew 4, 14. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. Those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The essence of Jesus' call is to come out of darkness and into light. Two kingdoms. One kingdom is a kingdom of darkness. One is a kingdom of light. And Jesus comes on the scene and he is the light of the world. And he begins to preach to people and he's saying, repent because I want you to come into the light. I want to bring rescue. This land had been in darkness and oppression. And Jesus came as a light to the world. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me won't remain in darkness. He will have the light of life. Mark 1, if you go back there, verse 16. And as he was going along, so Jesus is the herald. He's preaching the kingdom of God. He's telling people to turn and follow him. As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, Mark 1.16, he saw Simon, whom he would rename Peter, and Andrew, that was his brother, the brother of Simon, and they were casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. So Jesus is going along the Sea of Galilee. We've had the whole scene by the Jordan River. We know Peter and his brother Andrew have had exposure to the Messiah, and now they are fishing. And maybe as they were fishing, they were talking about Jesus. Maybe they were saying, what do you think? What level of commitment do you think we'd like to have with Jesus? Would it be cool to leave everything and follow him? I don't know, one of the brothers might say. It's pretty risky. We've got all our life and business here. And then can you imagine Jesus showing up when you're doing your work or you, whatever your task is, whatever you're interested in? Some of you are fishermen. If Jesus were to call me from fishing, I would have absolutely no problem personally because <laughs> I never catch anything, but that's another story. Here's these two men. We know their names. They're among the apostles. And Jesus said to them, Mark 1.17, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now I know you're in the fishing business, boys, and I know the Sea of Galilee is important to you, but if you follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to catch something much more important, something that will change people's lives. Ernst Lohmeyer calls this a sharp military command. And I ask the question, could there, be a, could there have been a measure of hesitancy? Could this be an early example of them going back fishing like Peter did at the end of his life, and now Jesus calls. There, this is not the first introduction. There's been some time to ponder. There's been some time to consider, and now Jesus calls them. He says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Just a side note, I was reading in William Lane's commentary that the idea of uh, fishing and that uh, 
follow me and I'll make you fishers of men is actually not something that is necessarily new. In fact, it is rooted in the Old Testament. There are scriptures, here's one, Ezekiel 20, uh, I think it's 28 and then 38.4, where it says, I will put a hook in their mouth. There's, there's Old Testament scriptures that use fishing imagery for the last day's judgment. And there are some scholars that believe that when Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, he's saying, he's tying it to the time fulfilled, to the kingdom of God and the moment of decision. It's a time of both judgment and grace. It's a time to decide where you're going to head and what you're going to do with this one who is called Jesus. This account is focused on Jesus, but it's also focused on people that he touched. He said, follow me, look at verse 17, and I will make you become fishers of men. When you get called by Jesus, he makes you become something. Sounds like a process, doesn't it? It is. Isn't that good news? It's a process. And we're gonna see that in the life of these apostles, the call, the summons, it would, it would be one thing to immediately Leave your nets and follow. It's another thing to be consistent in that call. Verse 18 says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. If you want the scriptures about the Old Testament, God is the fisher of men, Jeremiah 16, 16, Ezekiel 29, 4, and 38, 4, Amos 4, 2, and Habakkuk 1, 14 through 17. If you didn't catch that, go back and listen to it on the internet. Lane says, the summons to be fishers of men is a call to the eschatological task of gathering men in view of the forthcoming judgment of God. It extends the demand for repentance in Jesus' preaching. Precisely because Jesus has come fishing, it becomes necessary. In other words, this is a poignant time. In fact, for Israel, in about 40 years from the time he calls these men, Israel will fall, Jerusalem, in fact, will fall, what, to the ground. See, the clock was already ticking. Jesus knew what was going to happen. It was decision time. And you and I have to decide as well. Who are you going to follow? And where are they going to lead you? Well, it's impressive that they immediately left the nets and followed him. If you look over at Luke 5, we see a scene in the Gospel of Luke, that is a poignant one. It's, it happens, uh, the focus is Peter, Luke 5, verse 1. This is a great act of obedience, no hesitation. They follow. But let's look at what happens now. There's still some ministry around fishing in the lake. Now, it came about, Luke 5, verse 1, that while the multitude were pressing around Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is another term for the Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, Luke 5, 3, which was Simon's, that's Peter, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land, and he sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. This is a makeshift pulpit, but it's pretty cool. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. 
but at your bidding, I will let down the nets. When he had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish, fish which they had taken. And so also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. It seems to me that there's a progressive, there's a process here. There's a recognition. Do you know how sometimes people excitedly out of the gate say, I will follow, okay, I'll do it. And they walk down the aisle or they walk it forward at a crusade and then they realize, man, I've got a lot of baggage and a lot of things that the Lord has to clean up in my life. And the Lord does a miracle in your life. He does something that may, maybe shocks you in an area where you're, you have some expertise and you just want to fall on your knees and say, Lord, are you sure that you've got the right guy? Lord, I'm a sinful man. I think we've all had those moments. I've had many moments in my life where God was giving me a place to speak and I looked at myself in light of who he is and in light of his power and his majesty and I said, Lord, are you sure you want to hang around me? I'm a sinful man. I try. I want to do my best. I try to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit, but knowing who you are and who I am, how could you stick around with Jesus says, don't be afraid, Peter. I'm going to make you into something. You're going to become a fisher of men. When the book of Acts unfolds, you know who the main voice of the first 11 chapters of the book of Acts is? Peter. And he's preaching, and on the day of Pentecost, without a megaphone, he preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people trampled their way to Calvary. You want to talk about a big catch? There you go. Jesus is true to his word. He knew what he was getting with Peter, and he knew what he was getting with you. Yeah. He knows everything. You don't have to fill him in on current events, on your shortcomings. He knows. Now, he wants you to improve, no doubt. But it's still a process. And I believe you're going to become better at becoming a fisher of men as you follow him more closely. And so following Jesus was a process for the apostles, and it will be for us as well. Back to Mark, and we'll finish it up. Mark chapter 1. It wasn't over with this initial call that we see in the Gospels because going on a little further. It's Mike Massaro, and you're listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. And we'll get back to the teaching in about 30 seconds. But I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available. It's Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's about spiritual warfare, how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The special offer is, if you go to livingtruthradio.org, that's livingtruthradio.org, and click on the Donate button, 
For any donation, we'll send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you tell us in the contact form that you'd like the book. Now, back to Pastor Michael. Mark 1.19, Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Here's the famous sons of thunder, James and John, who were also in the boat, mending their nets. Now, Peter and Andrew were casting their nets. James and John were mending their nets, probably preparing for the next uh, day of fishing. The word mending is an interesting word because it's where we get the word equip in Greek. It's a form of the word equip. It's ketartizo, I believe is the Greek word. And here's the interesting thing. Peter and Andrew are throwing the net out for a catch. James and John are mending the net, and this is what gospel ministry is about. We catch people in the net, and then they have to be what? Mended. That's gospel ministry. In fact, the word for equipping in Ephesians 4.12 says that's the job of pastors and teachers. They're to equip the saints for works of service, and then we're to try to help mend each other as we go along. And the word equip has the idea of setting a bone that was out of place and broken. Look, this is a hospital for sinners. We invite people to come in. We invite people to come just as they are. This is the most inclusive message that there is on the planet, I heard Pastor Brian say. It includes everybody. All you got to be is a sinner and you qualify. (laughs) All you got to be is broken, but it is the most exclusive message as well because Jesus is going to say, I'm the only way. He's going to throw out the net for everybody, but you've got to decide. So the message is inclusive, but it's very exclusive because Jesus claims to be the only way to God. And so here's James and John, and immediately when they heard the call, he called them, they left their father, Zebedee, he might have been a bit shocked, (laughs) in the boat, with hired servants, so there were others there, and went away to follow him. R. Kent Hughes comments, their following meant an immensely expanded life. The horizon of these fishermen's lives was bound by the margins of Galilee. Once in a while, they went down to Jerusalem for a festival, but by and large, they knew little more than the deck of their boat, the currents of the lake, and the handful of people they knew in the marketplace. Their conversation consisted probably of trade talk, local gossip, family affairs, Galilean politics. In a word, they were remarkably provincial even to the extent of having their own telltale accent. Then Christ came and how their world changed. Their minds, once circumscribed and committed to the smallest interest, now overflowed with deep thoughts. They became theologians, thinkers, sociologists, psychologists, and strategists, all because of the gospel, all because of Jesus. How my life has expanded and deepened because of him. Had he never called me, I never would have done any of this stuff that I have done. I would have stayed in my world. I would have stayed in my hobbies. I would have stayed pretty much probably self-focused. I would have cared little about some eternal kingdom that you can't see, and I would have lived for me and me alone. I would have never known the depth of this book The beauty of knowing the God who made me. His call has changed everything in my life. 
everything because of him. Amen? It's amazing. I look back on almost 30 years of knowing him and about 25 years of ministry, and I am blown away. And I often feel like falling to my knees like Peter and saying, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And he's been so gracious to me, so good. He's taken me to waters and depths I had, I would have never known. He's expanded my heart. It's amazing. I want to take you to John chapter 20 and we'll close. Now, with all that the apostles went through, we know that it, there was many wonderful times and many challenging times. We, we saw, you know, as we read the New Testament, we can see Peter... He had hoof and mouth disease. <laughs> he was quick to speak, and he took radical, brave stands, and then he would make blunders as well. And in John chapter 20, Jesus is risen from the dead, and the, the gospel accounts take us to the resurrection. It tells us, John 20, verse 30, that there were many other signs, John 20, 30, that Jesus performed in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in the book. But these have been written, says John, of his gospel, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That again is the Sea of Galilee, another name for it, a Roman name. And he manifested himself in this way. They were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus. Now remember, we're post-resurrection now, so it's the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two others of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, what's your Bible say? I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we will also come with you. And they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Many years ago, a good friend of mine who went into mission work and became a pastor down in Temecula was preaching a message. There were people in that congregation that day whom I knew still needed to decide. And he was talking about Peter, my friend, and he said, you know, Peter, at a moment, we don't know everything that was going on in Peter's mind and all the details, but Peter decided to go back fishing and he's about to be confronted with Jesus again. But he said, some of you who made a decision in your life to follow Jesus have gone back fishing. And then he paused and said, how is it? And to me, that was one of the more poignant moments in a sermon I, th I think I can ever remember. Because he confronted a lot of people who were listening that day, who had made that decision, and maybe they didn't even realize they had made it, but they weren't really following the Lord. And he asked, how is it? Well, for Peter and the guys, it wasn't good. They caught how much? <laughs> Nothing, verse four. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus therefore said to them in a classic line, children, children, 
you do not have any fish, do you? <laughs> Don't you love when people phrase a question like that? They already know. It's not even really a question. It's more of a statement. And they answered him probably begrudgingly, no, <laughs> nothing. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find a catch. They cast, therefore, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. I think Peter's mind began to churn. That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out his outer garment on, for he was stripped down for work. And he threw himself into the sea. The Greek word for threw himself is cannonball, right here. <laughs> what, you guys don't believe that? There's a good reason. It's not what it means. But it does mean that he just kind of threw himself like he didn't care. There was no regard. And the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. This looks familiar. And so when they got uh, out upon the land, they saw a charcoal fire. That's where, reminiscent of where Peter denied the Lord, already laid and fish placed on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Did they catch it? And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land. So there's Peter, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn um, I'll just tell you, there are some people that I've heard that study the Hebrew language and the number equivalents and say that the number 153, and I'll let you do some homework on this, when you take the Hebrew number equivalents to the alphabet or to the letter means I am God. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Some believe that Jesus is saying more than you love fishing. Some believe he's confronting Peter because Peter said, though all will de you know, deny you, I won't, I'll die for you. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. You've been following me. Now I'm gonna call you to lead people. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Peter, you need to decide. Your life's not over because you denied me three times at that charcoal fire. I'm restoring you. But I'm restoring you to something important. You're gonna shepherd my people. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands. Here's a promise that Peter would grow old. And here's a promise of a crucifixion. And someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, would you notice in your Bible, what did Jesus say? Follow me. Isn't it interesting? 
like the opening call and the closing call are the same. And that's why it tells me as a believer in the modern contemporary age in which we live, I always have to go back and recommit to that call. In fact, I've got to do it every single day. I've got to wake up in the morning and say, who am I going to follow today? Am I going to follow the inclinations of Michael's heart? Am I going to follow the voices of others or am I going to follow him? He said, follow me. And Peter turned around and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, following them, the one who also had leaned back on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who will betray you? Peter, therefore, seeing him, said to Jesus, don't we do this? Lord, well, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Everybody mark this in your Bible. You follow me. Don't give me excuses, Peter. Don't, don't ask me what about him or what about her. You follow me. And I will just say this to you. This is for us. That's what Jesus would say to us. I rest in the grace of God. I know I'm saved by grace through faith. It's not from me. It's a gift of God. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and sure, it does take decisions of obedience and reading your Bible and getting on your knees and deciding you know, to run to um, the way of escape when you're tempted. But, but it is surrender and it is, hey, I'm going to believe in what Jesus did and I'm going to allow the power of God, which is available to me as a Christian, uh, to help me live this life. So the gospel, as we come back around, is Jesus came, he died for our sins, he rose again, and you are so loved that Jesus did this for you, all listeners. And in you know Mark 1.15, to circle back around on that, Oscar, it says, repent and believe in the gospel. And uh, this is what the Bible teaches. It teaches repentance and faith. So... To repent means you do a 180, you stop doing it your way, you stop thinking that you're going to conquer the wilderness on your own. You ain't. And you believe in the person of Jesus. He is the gospel. He's the good news, right? And you trust in what he did for you and you repent of your sin and you believe the gospel. You know, life does come down to this. I did a memorial service uh, earlier today, Oscar, for a 19-year-old young man who now is in heaven. And what I said to the people is, you know what? When it's all said and done, here's what Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. Later, in, when he says, I'm the resurrection and the life, I think it's to Martha or Mary, he says, do you believe this? Life comes down to what you believe. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about intellectual assent to a, a group of facts. I'm talking about what you've decided to really hang your hat on, what you truly believe in and whether or not it's going to take you all the way home, all the way to heaven, if you will. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.